NBA Conference Finals edition of Lay the Juice. This is episode six coming to you live. This is your host, Sam Maxwell. You can follow me on Twitter at smaxwell713. I'm joined, as always, this time, unfortunately, not live from my house. Darren Sai, he's coming off of some knee issues here. Darren, how are you feeling? I'm feeling all right. I'm walking okay. Knee's a little sore. That's what happens when you go camping and you walk into a tree stump. You didn't tell me that's how you hurt your knees. That's that's not very good. Well, as we get older, these things tend to linger a little bit more. Darren and I are both uh, in our late 20s, so I'm sure people listening to this are shaking their head uh, that we're complaining about these very minute issues that we're still in our 20s, but I'm sure uh, it'll only get worse. Again, this is episode six of Lay the Juice. Sam Maxwell joined as always, with Darren Sai. We're on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find us and a whole lot of other great podcasts at Believe Podcasts on Twitter and at Believe.com. Darren is still not sharing his Twitter account with us. If you enjoy the show, please hit subscribe. It would greatly help us out. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you prefer to get your podcast from. Please give us a five-star review. If you give us anything less than that, we'll take it, but it's not going to help out the podcast uh, in the same light. We encourage and appreciate your feedback. And again, this is episode six of Lay the Juice. We're going to talk about the NBA Conference Finals. We saw some fireworks yesterday uh, with the semifinals, a couple of Game 7s. We're recording this on Monday evening, Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals between the Blazers and, of course, defending world champion Warriors is Tamar Darren. Briefly, kind of give me your thoughts overall of the playoff so far, and let's dive right into it. Let's talk about the Warriors, the Blazers, the Curry Bowl. I could not be more excited for something like this. The Blazers are playing at an absolute elite level. I don't think anyone expected this except for the Portland Trail Blazers organization themselves. Ironically, Damian Lillard has been my favorite player since Kobe Bryant retired. And it was incredible to see them in Game 7 beat the Denver Nuggets in Denver. CJ McCollum. He is now, he has all sorts of crazy nicknames. CJ McDagger, CJ McPullup, CJ McAssassin. I mean, you name it. And it was great to see them get the win with Damian Lillard not really scoring. But I think he had a triple-double. I think he had over 10 assists. So he was finding other ways to help his team win. Damian Lillard really ha- hasn't really been the star that we're used to. I mean, obviously he had the game winner. Uh, in that opening series against the Thunder. He's been very good. But this has really been the playoffs that CJ McCollum kind of became a star. He's a household name now. You've got an all-mid-major backcourt in Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum, and, and these guys are balling out. I mean, CJ McCollum is putting up numbers, obviously a little bit inflated by a seven-game series, very much inflated by that quadruple overtime game, whose stats weren't inflated by that. But as you mentioned, the Blazers just showing all kinds of grit and tenacity going on the road and in altitude to face a team that they had developed a really nice rivalry with, coming down from a 3-2 series deficit. It's not something I saw them do. The Blazers look very formidable right now. They're well coached. They can score. They're not the greatest defensive team. They have some liabilities certainly inside with Ennis the menace canter. But this this could be a fun not to, series. Not to forget he is fasting for Ramadan. And that's, that's true. Yeah, very, very good point. If, if For those of you who don't know what Ramadan is, you basically can't eat until the sun goes down. Uh, so he's not eating at all before these games. I don't think he's drinking any water either. He, he is not and, drinking water during the games. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. And, and real credit to, to Cantor to staying true to his character, to his values. He's reached out to Hakeem Olajuwon to try to get a little bit of advice on that with him doing the same thing back in the 90s. All right, so game one tomorrow evening. Of course, this is going to be the final postseason of Oracle Arena. You got... 
both Curry brothers in this one, Darren. Give me your thoughts on the Western Conference Finals, the series, game one, props, anything that you have come across while looking for bets. Okay, so I like Golden State in six. I'm just going with the trend. They've won both of these series in six, and I think Portland Trailblazers are too gritty of a team. We're going to need, you know, we are going to be delighted with the kind of playoff basketball and the backcourt duos of CJ and Dame. You know, you said mid-majors, right, Lee-I? And uh, Weber State. Weber State, that's right. Weber State, you know, fun fact is it's in Utah. I, I didn't know that for a long time. I had to look it up. Weber State's in Utah? I thought it was in Washington. Pretty sure it's in Utah. Could be wrong. I, I thought I looked it up, and I thought it was in Utah. You just said you looked it I up. I thought I did, <laughs> but, I mean, it is a mid-major for a reason. But it's funny because if you look at Steph and Clay. Davidson and Washington State. Now, Washington State, I don't know if that's considered a mid-major. It's not a mid-major, but as far as basketball is concerned, it might as well be. Right. So, not a lot of big-name schools, and all four of those stars were in college for at least three years. I think this series, we're going to need to see a lot out of Zach Collins. He's been a major defensive key for the Trailblazers. And we're going to need to see Ennis Cantor dominate the glass. KD's out the first game. So I actually like the Blazers plus seven and a half in game one. So you like the Blazers to cover game one. Correct. You like them to lose or to win, but you like them to at least cover seven points. And I like Golden State in six for the series. So you think that the Warriors are going to go on the road. They're going to end the Blazers season at the Moda Center, which is a very tough place to play. And historically, the Blazers have played the Warriors very, very well. Obviously, things are amplified. They're escalated in the postseason. This is a team with the most postseason experience we've potentially ever seen. Okay, so you like the Warriors to win this in six. You like the Blazers potentially to cover the first game. Now, this is a a weird series. There's a lot of variables. Obviously, Kevin Durant, uh, with his near Achilles scare last week oh, is questionable and unlikely to play for these first couple games. And Boogie Cousins, there's potential for him to come back in this series as well. He, he is certainly estimated that he is going to come back. So there's so many variables that can either help the Warriors, which it likely will, but there's a factor in which this could actually hurt the Warriors. They get into a groove. The core four is playing extremely well. And then obviously you insert someone that's not 100% that's going to come out there and take some minutes away. I don't see really any scenario in which it's going to hurt the Warriors long term, but it, it it's it's worth noting that it's it's difficult to just in a playoff series have someone come right back into it and, and try to incorporate them in the same way. Kevin Durant's a world class player. I don't worry about him, but those are some things to think about for that first game that Kevin Durant comes back. You but might get a little honest, bit of a discount on the Blazers. To add to what you're saying, I feel like the Warriors were playing better without Kevin Durant. The ball was moving a little bit better and it's harder to defend that instead of just ISO ball KD. I don't necessarily disagree with you. And this Warriors team, as we all know, won 73 games. They lost to the Cavs. They won the finals the year before that. Uh, this team has you know, an immense amount of experience. They were playing really well. They were clearly very emotional. They were able to get the win without Kevin Durant. I don't think it's fair to say they're a better team without him. Now, can they still win without him? Absolutely. They're still a slam dunk minus 170 title contender. And that would be the exact same, even if he was ruled out for the entire series. But give me your, give me your, real quickly here. We kind of glossed over Kevin Durant's injury. Did you watch that game live? And if so, yeah. give me oh, your emotions. Give me your I thoughts about that. That was, that was a very interesting about 20 minutes or so of television. 100% I thought he tore his Achilles. 100%. Every group chat that I was in, I mean, I'm in a group chat with 18 guys from San Francisco all diehard Warriors fans, they were all losing their minds because three of those guys have torn their Achilles before and 
that's kind of what it looked like when they tore their Achilles. And when the uh, I can't remember who was announcing the game said Reggie Miller, dude. Kevin Durant said he felt. Was he? Was it Reggie? It was Reggie Miller. He, He said. Oh my gosh, that looks just like when Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles. And, you know, for those of us that, you know, you thought it was immediately, I, I, looking back the replay, agreed with Reggie. But live at the time, I would have never even thought about an Achilles injury if it wasn't for Reggie Miller. Not only insinuating that, but his confidence level was through the roof. He was so confident that was an Achilles that you had no other choice as a viewer to think anything otherwise. Well, when typically how someone that tears their Achilles, I haven't had it from experience, but my friends in this group chat, they said that they felt a small kick in the back of their leg. And whoever was announcing, I don't think it was Reggie, said that. They said that KD said he felt like someone kicked him in the back of the leg. And then the way he went down, it, it just looked like it. If you look at the video, it, don't, it only justifies what you're saying. He, he took a couple steps. He looked behind him. There was nobody there. He immediately was in pain and, and kind of limped off the court. So there's no question that it suggested that. Uh, I was with somebody, and it was a very interesting point. You know, back in the day, you would have thought uh, you would have just been completely, you know, handcuffed by the news. They weren't reporting anything on it, and you had to wait until obviously the television broadcast 25, 30 minutes later came out with a report. You know, with Twitter, we're able to go online and see this real quickly. We're getting an official report uh, from the Warriors PR staff. We're able to kind of see some opinions of some trained doctors. So it's just kind of funny the differences in how you watch games. Now, the first place I went to was Twitter. I wanted to get an update and see what people thought about it. Or, you know, even five, ten years ago, you would have just kind of been waiting there for the broadcast to provide an update on it. So I thought that was an interesting kind of way to think about it as well. Another part about the torn Achilles, though, is that you'll see your tendon ball up in the back of your calf. So when they didn't report on it basically immediately, that's when my friends were like, oh, it's not a torn Achilles because they would know so quickly. All right. We got a little bit off talk there. That that was, you know, just just one of those where were you moments. I mean, that could have changed the course of the NBA for the next 20 years, 15, 20 years uh, with the ransom pending for agency with, you know, a dynastic team like the Warriors. And of course, it would have changed this postseason dramatically as well. All right. Let's get back to the the Warriors and the Blazers. You like the Warriors in six. I'm a little bit more bullish on the Warriors. I picked them to, to defeat the Rockets in five. I was a little bit rough uh, on that. I actually like the value here of a Warriors sweep. I do think they're going to win in five, uh, and that's what the going rate is for this series. However, there is good value on the Warriors to sweep. It's plus 450, and I do think this is more likely than going to six, and I'll tell you why. These Warriors are taking it personally that everyone thought they were going to lose, uh, or at least play not as good without Kevin Durant. They were able to win that game, game five, which I don't think anybody at the time thought so. There was all kinds of crazy action coming in on Rockets live bets. And then, of course, you go to Houston for game six. I think they were seven-point underdogs is the largest deficit that they were as an underdog since Steve Kerr took over. They went in there and completely dominated down the stretch there. Stephen Curry, as good as I've ever seen him play, Clay Thompson, is back to being a straight two-way baller. You have Andre Iguodala putting up tremendous numbers. He's a 35-year-old, but he's turning back the clock like it's 2015 when he won the NBA Finals. And look, the Blazers, great story, great team. I love watching them play. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Zach Collins is my dude. However, they're throwing a, a celebration. They're throwing a parade just to get to this point. They haven't won in a very long time. This is the first conference finals, I believe, that they've been in since 2000 when they lost to the Lakers. So I don't know if they're going to come out and be able to compete with the firepower that the Warriors possess. I don't see the Warriors taking a step back at all. If anything, I think they're just a different team that's just as dominant. 
I definitely see them winning those first two games in Golden State. And then it's the very last that we discussed. And they all favor, at least on paper, the Warriors. Can Kevin Durant come back and be a factor? Yes. Can DeMarcus Cousins come back and be a factor in this series? Yes. And if Boogie Cousins does come back, he is going to eat that front court of the Blazers alive. I do like Zach Collins. I, I don't think he will. I, I would he, disagree. He may not. But He's if he does come back, to come back that, he may not come back. But if he does, he is going to dominate Ennis Cantor. He's not necessarily known as a defensive stopper. Zach Collins is a second-year player. He's very young. He does not have the strength to deal with Boogie Cousins. So those are two other variables. I see both those as being advantages, huge advantages for the Warriors. I can only see that getting better for the Warriors as time goes on. It's difficult to play in the Moto Center. I totally understand that. That's why I have the Blazers winning a game. I just like the value in the Warriors to sweep at plus 450. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's all good stuff, but I just think that everyone has been underestimating these Blazers all playoffs, and Damian Lillard is from Oakland. So he typically dominates when he plays in Oracle. The biggest key for the Blazers is going to be Cantor and Collins staying out of foul trouble and Cantor being the beast that he is on the offensive glass. I mean, they won that last Nuggets game because Cantor got a ton of offensive rebounds. And then they had CJ making shots when they needed to. I, I just think that it's going to be a lot closer than we think. And I think the Blazers are going to steal one at Oracle. That's crazy. I mean, if they do, this whole entire series is going to change. They might even be, you know, favored in a couple of those games at home. I just can't see it. The Warriors know when they turn the switch on. I think it's kind of favored them. You mentioned that they've been in back-to-back six-game series. I think the Clippers here is really that eye-opener that they really needed. And then, you know, credit the Rocks for winning two games at home before Kevin Durant got hurt. But the way they closed that series, I just showed me this team still has that championship DNA. They know that the clock is ticking backwards for them. They have a couple of pending free agents in Kevin Durant and, of course, Clay Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins as well. And I just I just don't see the Blazers pushing this past five. So I do see the Warriors winning in five. I have the sweep. You have them going to six. You also like Anis Cantor over on rebounding props, correct? Absolutely. I mean, most of the time they go four small guys in Cantor. Who else is in there getting boards? You know, I mean, CJ and Dame both had what, nine or 10 rebounds last game? Maybe more, so. Okay, well, we'll disagree with an opinion on how long the series is going to last, but we both think the Warriors will advance to the NBA Finals again, and we'll be talking about them winning a championship probably coming up here in late June. All right, let's move on now to the Eastern Conference Finals, the main event. I've been looking forward to this matchup all season long. These are the two best teams from the East by far. They both got challenged early on in the second round, obviously, uh, with the Raptors going down 2-1 to one after the uh, Sixers took that 2-1 lead. And, of course, it went all the way down to the wire, one of the best buzzer beaters you'll ever see with Kawhi hitting it in the corner over Embiid. The reactions from that shot were amazing. The stills that it was in the air for so long were amazing. I mean, it was four or five bounces in the air. It's just, you couldn't recreate that even if you tried. So that was an amazing series. The Bucks, of course, got smashed at home. Game one against the Celtics. Everyone thought this is going to be another one of those series where a Budenholzer team has a great regular season, gets beat by a better postseason team. They go on to win four games convincingly. This is going to be a really fun one. You have two of the best superstars in the league, two-way players in both Antetokounmpo and Kawhi. There's a lot of moving pieces for this one. Neither one of these teams are really household kind of names, brand names, I wouldn't say. But either one of these teams, Aaron, are absolutely good enough to win the NBA championship. This should be a really fun series. Give me your thoughts on this one. I would say that the Raptors are a household name, especially in Canada. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I like the Bucks in five. I just think, you know, they're going to get Malcolm Brogdon back this series. I think Giannis is the better player, even though Kawhi 
was, you know, he was a finals MVP before he's had, he has the experience. He is potentially not human. He might be an alien. He might be a robot. I don't know, but he's been playing out of his mind. So I, I love the Kawhi overs every single game points, rebounds. Let me ask you about this about Kawhi before you finish your thought on the series. Is he the best two-way player remaining? Is, is, is there anyone that provides value on both ends of the floor more so than Kawhi? That's hard to say because Klay Thompson definitely has potential to be AD, definitely has potential to be one of the best two-way players. It, it's really hard to say. Well, just, just in this postseason remaining. Basically, is he a better two-way player than the Greek Freak or Klay Thompson? Those are the other two contenders. Well, KD, too. KD, when he wants to play defense, uh, not not to mention CJ McCollum, all right? He had a chase down block, okay? I would say Kawhi is probably, yeah, the best two-way player. And I just don't know how much longer he can just put this team on his back. He's, he's really not getting very much help scoring. Defensively, he has a ton of help, right? Ibaka and... Gasol and Siakam all three are great they have a lot of length but offensively what he took 39 shots last game 40 shots something something crazy right he's Mr. everything for them he really is so it's just it'll be interesting to see because Milwaukee has the length to defend him right so how tired is he gonna get so you have bucks and five so you don't have any faith in the Raptors let's I want to talk a little bit more about Kawhi while we're on the subject now, when he won a Finals MVP with the Spurs, what was he known for? If you had to describe his game five, six years ago, what, how would you describe it for those listeners out there that didn't watch the NBA back there? Big hands. <laughs> he is known as the claw, but he was a raw offensive player. He could hit open threes, but he was a defensive stopper, man. I mean, that's. I wouldn't even say he was known to hit open threes. I think he was mostly known as like a, a defensive guy and kind of like a slasher dunker. Defensive stopper. Yeah, And he was one of the best in the NBA. Even at that time, he's still an excellent on-ball defender now, potentially the best in the NBA. It's gotten to the point, Darren, where he's actually, you can make the argument at least, that he's a more impactful and a better offensive player than he is a defensive player now, which is frightening. I mean, this guy was averaging over 35 points a game uh, at one point in that, in that series. He was shooting over 60% through the first five games. Um, and like you said, he's just carrying that team offensively. It's it's truly remarkable to see where he can score from, how he can score. He gets to the basket so easily. And Giannis... You know, honestly, does the exact same thing. He just doesn't have the same jump shot. This is going to be a really fun rivalry. If Kawhi stays with the Raptors, we're going to see this matchup again and again in the Eastern Conference Finals because these two teams are built for the future. They both have young superstars, and they have some other role players I think are going to really blossom to better players. And they're they're good young head coaches as well. I think the Raptors, you know, before the playoffs when we did our our NBA postseason preview, I picked the Raptors just kind of by default over the Bucks in seven. I love both these teams. You have to pick a winner. I do, I'm going to stick to my guns and take the Raptors in seven. I think that they're a very polished team. They're a great defensive team. And as much as I love the Bucs, and I love the Bucs, I think they're a good enough team to actually beat the Warriors. I can see either one of these teams I coming agree. out of it and beating the Warriors. I think whoever wins this series truly has as real of any, any a chance of any team to beat these Warriors uh, with the exception of maybe those Cavs teams that actually did it. But these teams are even way more talented than those Cavs teams, all you know, top to bottom. So right. nothing is no slide against the Bucks. I think they're an excellent team. I just think the playoff experience that Kawhi brings to the table, the rest of the Raptors have bring brought to the table, having been you know to the playoffs and gotten bounced so many years in a row, it's going to bypass uh, the talent that the Bucks may have. 
The Bucks are an extremely talented team. They can do a lot of things really well. They can shoot. They can help defense. Um, they're going to have home court advantage, and they were an excellent home team this year. The Raptors were a very good road team this year. Neither one of these teams are really going to have to travel that much. There's no significant advantage. In terms of rest, obviously, the Bucks do have a little bit more rest, but I think that actually, in a way, is going to end up hurting them. So I'm going to take the Raptors here in seven because there's a lot of value there. The Bucks are a relatively heavy favorite, and you can get the Raptors. Uh, I like them in seven, so that's plus 700. And I also urge you, if you like the Raptors and you like the Warriors to win the championship, there's tremendous value in picking the exact final. Warriors over Raptors is actually paying at four to one right now. So I think you hit both of those, you do really, really well. Now, it's going to be very difficult. I could see this one falling the other way. I'd be very surprised if the Bucks dominated right. in five like you have them. Uh, I do see this going deep, probably into seven. And, of course, the Bucks will have that, that home court advantage in seven. But I, ultimately, I just trust the Raptors a little bit more. I think they're going to advance to the NBA Finals. How important do you think home court is nowadays? You know, I still think it's worth two and a half, three, maybe even up to four points. Especially these two fan bases are known for being uh, so passionate. They've been patiently waiting their turn. You have a brand new arena in Milwaukee. These two teams, they're the only professional teams that, that have really had a lot of success lately. I mean, the Brewers obviously did really well. Milwaukee's only got two professional teams. The Packers are up north there. The Badgers are far west. In Toronto, you haven't had any success for the other teams at all anytime recently. So I, I do think that it is worth three to four points. That being said, it's not going to end, be the end-all, be-all. It's only one extra home game for the Bucks, Right. So I don't think it's going to be the determining factor in the series, clearly, because I'm having the Raptors advance. Yeah, so I, like I said, I like the Bucks in five, and I like Kawhi's overs, points and rebounds in every game. And I think, you know, I, I think there's value in under 5.5 games for the series, plus 140. And I actually like the Bucks to beat Golden State. I can see it. I mean, it totally depends on how and when the Warriors are able to get back Kevin Durant. I do think that it's a disadvantage for the Warriors if they go on and sweep the Blazers like I think they do. That's going to be a huge advantage for whatever team comes out of the East, come out firing, ready, and they're going to be hot. I don't like when teams get a lot of rest there unless they're clearly just the more dominant team, which could be the case here. I think it's worth mentioning. We kind of talked about how it's difficult to kind of insert Kevin Durant and Boogie Cousins back into the lineup. The Bucks may have to do the exact same thing with Malcolm Brogdon. He's coming back, and, and as much as I like him as a player, it's tough when you haven't had him for this long and then you try to reinsert him back in. They're just right. kind of getting Nikola Mirotic back into the swing of things. He had a great game on Game 5 against the Celtics. But I do think it's worth mentioning that as impressive as the Bucks have been, this might be a little bit of fool's gold, okay? Bear with me here. Who was the worst playoff team coming into this postseason? What do you mean? If you had a draft, a snake draft, of all 16 teams— Going into the NBA Finals, which team do you think would go last? Who is the least formidable of, the, of those six Probably teams? the Orlando Magic. No way. Of course it's not the Orlando Magic. It's clearly, clearly the Detroit Pistons, especially when Blake Griffin was injured. They swept the Pistons like they should have. Yeah, they covered fair. all four games. Okay? You think, you think that's very impressive? Look, they beat who's in front of them. Nothing against them. I don't think that's particularly impressive to sweep the Pistons. Okay? Then you go on to the second series. And look, they deserve this by having the number one seed the easiest path in the East. They play the Celtics, everyone's favorite coming into the season. Brad Stevens is still a darling amongst the media members. Everyone thinks that he's the best coach in the NBA. They have a very, very talented team. The Bucks go out there, they lose game one. They come back, they win the next four games, absolutely dominant fashion. I don't think the Celtics are nearly as talented or as cohesive, as challenging 
as the Sixers were. I definitely think had the Bucs and Sixers met, it wouldn't have been done in five games. So not to take away anything from the Bucs, I just don't think, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to have recency bias. And yes, they have won seven of their last eight games in dominant fashion to be that. But I just don't, I don't find it to be that impressive that they are here standing when those are the two teams they've had to face. Yeah, maybe. That's fair enough. But at the same time, the Raptors might not even be in this series if Kawhi doesn't make that lucky bounce shot. Absolutely. I'm not I'm not trying to say that the Raptors went out there and absolutely dominated. I'm just saying they faced a bit more difficult route. I think that's ultimately going to pay dividends for them down the road. They've had to play a dominant team with dominant talent, probably even better top-end talent than they had. They're going to have to face it again, of course, when they face the Bucks. So I just wanted to mention that it's easy at this point in the postseason to have recency bias and just say, hey, you know, they went out there. They absolutely dominated the Celtics. It was everyone's preseason favorite. They clearly are the better team. And who knows? They might be. I just think it's important to think about those things at this point in the season. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, any final thoughts here, Darren, just to recap, you have the Warriors advancing in six. I have them advancing in five with a pick on the Warriors to sweep the series at plus 450. And you have the the Bucks, excuse me, winning in five. I have the Raptors winning in seven. All right, awesome. Well, this was a fun one. This is going to be two very exciting series. I think we're actually going to get a really fun NBA Finals this year as well, no matter what the outcome is for these next two series. We're going to have some real great basketball going into June. Any final thoughts here, Darren, and any picks tomorrow for the NBA Draft Lottery? You'll probably listen to this on Tuesday morning. You may already even know where Zion lands, but this is this is one of my favorite days in the NBA as well. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's going to end up in uh, New Orleans. <laughs> he's going to go to New Orleans. Okay, that that would be, be crazy. They're trying to accomplish a trade for him, I'm sure. I'm sure you can probably find odds on the Knicks winning or maybe the Bulls or the Lakers. Guys, I, I don't think that the NBA is rigged at all. So you're literally playing the same odds that everyone else is. I think the Knicks have about a 14% chance of winning the NBA draft lotto. So it's just, just not worth it to bet on the lotto. However, when the NBA draft comes around in late June, Darren and I will certainly have some bets for you there. That's where you can really kind of expose and analyze things really, really well and beat the book. So that's it for our NBA conference finals preview for Lay the Juice. That was Darren. I'm Sam. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.